welcome to the podcast. My human parents name me this. <laughs> so what did your non-human parents name you? I think that's the question, right? They won't tell me. They just stare okay. at me silently from across the room when I wake up in the middle of the night. They're red, glowing eyes haunting me. Nanu, Nanu, Ross, Nanu, Nanu. And I'm Phil, and this is Ross and Phil Talk Movies. And today we are going to be taking a deep dive into the late, great Richard Donner's archives. And we're going to be catching up on um, some of the big blockbusters that have been happening that we haven't really talked about in great length. Yes, Fast 9 and Flying Cars, we are looking at you. Before we get to that, of course, as always, Ross, how are you, my friend? Are you well? I am pretty darn well, and I'm, I'm quite excited Hold on. Sort of main, Are you excited? Uh, because as we record this tonight, football <clears throat> will be coming home. Is that why you're excited? Couldn't give a toss. Um, <laughs> although, actually, I say that. I say that. But you know what? I hope England wins because, like, good news is good. Yeah, good news. So we for, we for, need for some real, good, news. good news. Is good. Yeah. Yeah, like a bit of joy is, you know, it's... Uh, and when we say England, what, what we mean is the England team made up of uh, a load of players who have like, international Brazilian, heritage. Brazilians and French. <laughs> and <laughs> Italians and, and Africans right, and, and all, these, all, these, all these English players that, that have this amazing heritage from different countries that, that, that prove that England is stronger mm. as a multicultural combined nation. Our football team or, very much proves that. Or as right? an empire. Or as an empire. Hats. Or as an empire. I mean, yeah, I, I look at it more the first way. But, you know, oh. our football team very much proves that, which is ironic because, you know, so many of those that that, that, that then go out and watch the football are troglodyte morons. <laughs> well, there's that. Um, yeah. When you saw when you saw images from Piccadilly on, uh, was it Tuesday, whatever night it was? With the football? Uh, last... No, Wednesday. Yes, no, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah. You're like, well, you know... But sort of hope you all die i mean i don't <laughs> i mean i don't i don't i don't hope that i, I mean i don't you, hate, i don't i don't hope i do i hope that i might hope that a little bit you might it's, i mean there's a street to get like i had to cancel i know how selfish yourselves i had to cancel plans in town on wednesday like because i and a friend could not meet up because of it which i appreciate how you know what i mean like i appreciate how important matches to people i get it like i do i, I, mean, I don't but I, I think i think it's more important but, but, but now. the idea but the idea that, that people shouldn't head into the center of london because of that rightly yeah. so by the way as proof as proof like rightly so you shouldn't it's not all right really it's not okay really no. you should be able to you should be able to enjoy yourself where you are regardless, regardless of what, yeah right for well, real, we had to literally cancel plans because no <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, I, I get oh. I get it. I get it. However, you know, equally, um, you know, this isn't the Ross and Phil Talk Football podcast, so we will swiftly move on because I'm guessing it's neither our specialist subject. Um no, and also the thing that I'm actually excited about, the thing I'm on. properly excited about, is on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday at the Prince Charles Cinema, they are showing Army of Darkness Evil Dead 3, which I get to see in the big screen for the first time because I can see it so cool. I'm genuinely very, very, and, very excited. And as you know, that is still my favourite of all the Evil Dead films. It's not the best, but it is my favourite. No, but it's the most enjoyable. It's arguably most enjoyable, and it's the most mainstream. It's kind of a swashbuckling fantasy movie. And it's probably the it's probably peak Bruce Campbell, right? Uh, yes, it's probably a, yes, like that is peak Bruce Campbell. Um, as you're saying that, I haven't watched a Bruce Campbell film in ages. I might have to watch a Bruce Campbell film again. Maybe like a, a slightly offbeat 
Bruce Campbell film. Well, I mean, most of them, to be fair. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like not one of the mainstream ones. Um, I'd actually recommend, as a feature, even though it's a TV movie, uh, Burn Notice for Fall of Sam Axe. Yeah, Burn Notice for Fall of Sam Axe was actually very good. Really enjoyable. I mean, they put a chainsaw gag in there, which is fantastic. It's um, that's a, that is it. That was a great TV show, Burn Notice. Yeah. Um, really, really good. Anyway, yeah, look. So, so obviously, as I said ahead of the show, we're going to talk uh, a bit about Richard Donner today. Uh, Richard Donner passed away um, sadly this past week, um, and you know he he is someone that that for both of us for different reasons holds a you know a lot of uh, love. Um, you know, Ross is one of Ross's favorite films of all time. Ross, I think yeah, we you've established well, many times favorite. on the podcast. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. If I have to pick one, if I if I have to pick one, it's my favorite. Um, so that's Superman, and and whilst it's not my favourite film of all time ever, certainly one of my favourite action films, so cop films of all time ever, is is Lethal Weapon, uh, and and it is just yeah. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that. I also want to unpack the Tomorrow War, Fast and Furious Nine, um, and a couple of other big films that have been going on. Before that, though, let's get on to films we have seen. So Ross, what has been tickling your tonsils this week um, that's weird um <laughs> food mostly i think um am i are we am i just doing both of mine if you see what i mean or am i doing yeah, my new one do, do, let's do uh, let's, do, let, let's do both of yours first and then i'll do both of mine Excellent. let's mix okay. it up this week okay so sorry what we do <laughs> the films you've seen most recently you do first uh, yes that's right sorry okay so oh, but what i mean is am, am i doing am i doing um older new like always Ross. Old, every old week venue, we do the old, same thing old old venue sorry yeah well whichever way you so, want uh i don't know okay so <laughs> old old is interesting i'm gonna uh, I'll, I'll mention one other one briefly but then i'll talk about you so just because want. we had a friend a friend over who's been staying a guest we introduced her to Alfred, i didn't realize she'd never seen the alfred hitchcock film and so oh, we wow. North, North by Northwest, which was North spectacular. by Northwest. Yeah, she really enjoyed it, which is great. So that's kind of cool. You uh, didn't start with you didn't start with rope. <laughs> no, no, rope's a good movie though. But like rope's all right, yeah, rope's and, right. And, and weirdly, the... not just before that, we actually showed her blowout, which is obviously the Palmer at his most Hitchcockian. Yeah. And she loved that too. It's funny because she and uh, Jenny couldn't believe the ending. The ending is so fucking hard hitting. So it was really great to sort of see their reactions to that. Really Did cool. I ever tell you my story about watching the birds? No. I must have told you this. Okay, maybe not. So I watched the birds with my mum. I was a, must have been about, I was off school. So I must have been unwell. And so my mum decided to put the birds on and I was a fan of horror. So I was probably nine or 10 at that point. So at this point, just to, you know, just to contextualize it, I'd seen Evil Dead, Dawn of the Dead and Friday the 13th part three. So I'd seen a fair amount of horror films. Anyway, we were watching we were watching the birds, and and this is no word of a lie. This genuinely happened, and it's just unbelievable. As we're watching, we had a, a house, and it had a chimney. Um, and as we're watching the birds, we hear this kind of noise in the chimney. We don't think much more of it. And about yeah. three quarters of the way through the film, a fucking bird flies out of our chimney into the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> time to run time to run immediately it, it, run if you run ever away. wanted to see what 3d cinema looked like mm -hmm. like or 4d or even 5d cinema that was five that dimensional like, cinema 
that must have been like um, you know when a train pulls into a station or when running running out. I expected that from every Hitchcock movie after that. Every time I was in the shower, I expected right, someone yeah. to come in and stab me. Right, it was <laughs> that is absolutely terrible. absolutely terrifying. It, it it was it was genuinely one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me, and it was. So, I just I just remember it. Like, you know when you're just like holy fuck that could not have been mm. any better time and i think i think if i remember rightly it was when they're in the, the kind of the, the the cabin at the end just before they go out and all the birds are sat on the floor outside and all over the house so it was like even it was in a quiet bit when nothing was happening and a bird just goes fuck you <laughs> it's like oh my god um but yeah anyway so right so north by northwest good shout so, like that no 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 so, so the actual, i know i know but- that was just yeah, very good. Good. And that was the aperitif. Correct. Um, but the last old movie we watched, Jenny and I put it on last night on um, on Disney Plus, which obviously that has loads of Fox movies, which is fantastic. Uh, Nine to Five, 1980, <laughs> Dolly Parton's uh, film debut. Wow. What a movie? But what a movie though? Like it. I don't think don't I've ever seen it. Actually. Honestly, what a movie. Partly the song is absolutely iconic and. As Jenny pointed out, it's one of those songs. We always talk about the Bond songs that have transcended the films. Yeah. You know, we have all the time in the world and all of that stuff. Um, well, nine to five, the song has obviously completely transcended the movie. I mean, the movie is great. Like, the movie is great and super dark. Like, it is much darker than you think it is. There's this whole, oh, I can't even get to it. But um, part of Lily Tom and Jane Fonda are all brilliant. And it was, it's, when you think about the fact it was Dolly Parton's film debut, I know people probably don't think of her as an actress as such. She's really good in it. Like she's really, like, what's the word? Like sincere. Like, like it feels like it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like she's big on performances. I guess what I'm saying. Um, given that she's a singer, and and she's really funny. Tom Lynn and Fonda are amazing, and of course Grace and Frankie. You know what I mean? Like this is forty yeah. or thirty-eight years away before Grace and Frankie. That's pretty amazing. Um, Dabney Coleman is fantastic as the villain, and it it's really good. It's a little long. Like it runs a little long. There's a bit. Uh, I, think, I think it's at the top of the second act kind of where they all sort of fantasise about how they would humiliate the boss who's humiliating them sort of thing and I felt that those fantasy scenes had just went on too this is just me went on just a bit too long so I started to kind of go eh. you know what I mean it just almost immediately yeah. felt a bit long in the tooth but once that's over and before it in the move just the film just moves at a clip it's really funny mm. uh, I really I, recommend I really recommend it I maybe really, yeah maybe I'll 41 years old as well, would you think about it? Anyway, that was the last we watched. Then we, yeah, we, both, mm-hmm. we watched it last night. Really enjoyed it. Cool. And your, and your new film? What was the newest new my film? New, well, my newest new one is sort of a double bill in that, but it's parts one and two of the same franchise. Are you talking about so Fist Street? I am. Oh my God, and, I've watched oh, both films oh, as well. Oh, Let's talk. Oh, and be, be, just before we do that though, I just want to touch on one film that you've seen that I saw, right? Just very briefly, because I was blown away. The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Isn't it good? It's really, really good. And you see probably, what I mean by... I, I probably prefer Palm Springs. Yes, In fact, I do absolutely. prefer Palm Springs. But it's really good. It's really affecting. And I love how it... A bit like Palm Springs, it sort of begins in the middle. In yeah. terms of him. The way he, way yeah. he lives his day is really clever. Oh, I'm I so like glad you watched that. Develops, yeah, I like how it develops the little stories that you don't know about. You know what I mean? Like like, like when she's going to the hospital. Yeah, I don't yeah. give anything away. I, I really do recommend it. The only thing I found a little bit wearing after a while is very minor is the lead guy. I think, is it Kyle Allen, the actor? I don't... Pass. He's like, when you look at him, the more you look at him, he looks just 25. He does not look like someone at, at school. He does not. Like the more you... Because he's so 
I mean, amazingly good looking and tall and hench and all that stuff. He just looks like an actor. I don't mean that to sound me. Because he's really good. At, yeah. They they breed a different type of school student yeah. in America. I mean, look, Do you not look, know this? Have I you not seen Greece? Yeah, well, well, of course. <laughs> no, no, but of course. But you sort of or, think in this day or and saved age. Saved by the bell. <laughs> in this day and age, right, it's really weird because he, he really stands out yeah. against the rest of them. But but by the way, that only really set him like in the last third of it for some reason. He just started to look like a 25-year-old that's wearing a teenager's clothes. It, it, it literally didn't make me, if I'm honest. But. No, no, no. Um, and, and like I say, it's very, it's super minor. It doesn't matter. It's really, really good. So uh, triple really bill good. for yes. um, Prince Charles, Groundhog Day, mm. Map of Perfect, Tiny Perfect Things and Palm Springs. Do you know what I would prefer rather than Groundhog Day, even though Groundhog Day is the best one, is I'd always prefer 1201, the, the, the thriller with Jonathan Silverman and Helen Slater. Where she keeps getting it was a TV movie essentially. Oh god, so I've seen that. Yeah, it's really, really, it's really, really good. I've seen well. that in like it's about a hundred years, of, but I would sort of prefer that simply because it's a more obscure one. If that makes sense. Yeah, because Groundhog Day is amazing. Like again, I think I told you, you know, I watched it again not that long ago. Groundhog Day is still fucking amazing. Like it's amazing. Groundhog Day is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. On that, and only because it just it just tweaks something in my head that um there is a I, I don't know if you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. You probably no, don't. I can't. Um, I can't deal with him anymore. I used to love him. I can't deal. Oh with him. my god, I love Joe Rogan. Still love him. Don't listen to him as much. But he's done one recently with Tarantino. Oh yes, I heard about it. Listen to it. Firstly, listen to Tarantino yes, completely out of his depth and try to mm. try to go um comedy knowledge with Joe Rogan. Tarantino literally yeah, literally looks sounds like a twat and like where well, he's saying oh, stuff no. and Rogan's like, no man, that, that's just basically not right. But oh, he, he talks really true. interestingly about um he, he calls the 80s a decade of of political correctness in movies, and I'm like Hold on, I don't agree with that. And then he explained what it. Was, and you go, what films was what films was he watching? No, <laughs> okay, okay. do you know what he was saying though? It was the okay. arc of the character, and he used Bill, oh, he used okay. Bill Murray, and he used Chevy Chase as an example. And he said Bill Murray right. basically is heralded as like his films are the best. But if you look at every Bill Murray movie, the political correctness element is that he starts off as a wanker and ends up as a nice guy. Yes, yes, every yes. and he's like yeah, yeah and wrong. in Groundhog Day, everything, everything. Yeah, and Groundhog Day, who does it serve other than Andy McDowell for him to be nice? It just, it just. Well, actually, actually, it serves. No, actually, it serves him because he finally gets this woman. What's he gonna do? What's he actually gonna do when he's got her? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it feels like he just wants to. I mean, I think he does grow as a human, obviously, but like you just sort of go. So that, again, it's that weird thing about most movies that all that all end when the relationship starts. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then he talks about um, Chevy Chase. Now Chevy Chase is always like Chevy Chase is basically the same arsehole at the beginning as he is at the end. Yeah, and he never learns. Yeah, and he he talks about how that is like that decade, the eighties. That's like like in the seventies, the hero would would be bad and he'd die at the end, and that would generally be his redemption. But in 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 the eighties, and I'm like, do you know what? I actually anyway, the the podcast is really really interesting. So my nice that. My uh, my new films were also going to be Fear Street Part One and Two. So okay. let's talk about let's them. Let's talk quickly. about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Now, just to cl- be, just to be clear, Fear Street Part Two, I'm only half an hour into, and I will finish it today. Okay. But here's the thing: the thing I loved about the first Fear Street, it has got its issues. Uh, first of all, I love the absolute homage to Scream with the slow motion kill shot, and it's even the opening with Maya Hall. And the opening, I love the opening, and I love the opening. I, I like. The mythology actually, but I do mm. find the way it explains the mythology a bit up its ass, like yeah. a little bit complicated. It feels like it could be they're both one hour 
49 or something. And I feel like they could be 10 minutes shorter if they just Absolutely. showed us rather than telling us everything. I will just say that. I don't know about the second one yet, but the first one, however, it's interesting because it feels like it has a mixture of the courage of its convictions and not. Like, for example, the bread slicer kill was amazing. Like, yes. amazing oh my God, that's so good. Did you, did you hear the story about the director not believing it would work as well? So no. the director, who, who very t- I've got to say, I think so far the direction is like the way they're structured and made overall, very good, very good. Uh, you know, on first you know watch, um, she didn't believe that the bread slicer thing would work. So the SFX team brought in a watermelon and just pushed it through uh, the, the bread slicer. She's like, I nice. Apparently, like, just just pushed it through. It fun. So I just like that as a story. That's kind of cool. So that kill was great, and I, there were a couple other kills that were great, but I felt like. And I've heard that number two rectifies this. There weren't no, really see, enough kills. Mm, see, I, I have Not the opposite really. issue. I think, okay. so my, my problem, like, I really enjoyed number one. I don't think it's the best film yeah. of the year, but it's a solid no, seven I out of ten. Like, super yeah. fun. Yeah. Like, seven, some seven. great homages, a few great deaths, yeah. and a decent mythology, yeah. right? Liked it. Yes. Number yes, two. The itself, I liked. I liked yeah. So number two, you may notice you're 30 minutes in and no one has died yet. Right, oh, so and it takes about the thing, but, but, forty-five okay, minutes God. till someone okay. dies, and then okay. a few of the kills are really gruesome. But right. because a lot of the kills are young kids in the camp, uh, they happen off camera. Okay, yeah. And yeah. my my note for part two, and I think part two is the weaker of the two films. Okay, that's interesting. Um, is it doesn't it doesn't have the courage of its convictions. It doesn't, it's not, it's not Friday the 13th enough, right? No, all the I kills are the that. same. They're all done with an axe, right? Giving nothing right. away. There's no like creative call, like like arrow oh, through the throat. Um, <clears throat> right. There's yeah. there's one I don't think there's any nudity. There doesn't have to be nudity, but if you're correctly well, homaging those I mean, there's films. There's been there's been a bit of not a lot, but there's been like some pretty surprisingly graphic fucking. There's this bit where this guy's fucking what, one scene, shit. yes, one scene. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in, just saying. So half an hour in, I'm just saying it's like it. Yeah. So far, it's ticking the boxes fairly accurately. But it, it including some shots from Friday the Thirteenth as well. Yeah, and it's, it's great. But it takes forty five yeah. minutes ish till the first person yeah. dies, and I'm just like right. And, and then all the kills are pretty. They, some of them are fun, like, but there's only yeah. so many times you can watch someone getting their head chopped off with an axe and you kind of go it's great yeah. but even jason at his machete wielding best was doing mm. other shit um it's always the mythology comes around really nicely though i do like that okay. and and the third one i quite like the idea your third one sounds intriguing so yeah, I, I, think, heard. Yeah. I think they're both i think they're they're solid films number one's better yeah. than number two for me mm-hmm. um but i'm really intrigued to see what number three is and if it doesn't drop the ball it turns yeah. out to be a really solid trilogy that really benefits from being released so quick together. Because I'm, I'm desperate right, to see yes. the third one. That's good to know. I mean, yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm surprisingly engaged. I do think, I like the, the actual mythology, but I think the way it's explained here in it is, is a bit, just a bit OTT kind of. I'd almost, yeah. just rather, I'd, almost, I'd almost rather know less. Almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I, there's a, these are, all of my criticisms so far are relatively minor compared to the overall effectiveness of the films. I'm, I'm quite yeah. surprised at how effective so far. Like Sam, number two yet. The but director, hundred percent, knows her horror yeah. films. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I'm very impressed with that aspect for sure. 
like the nineties one looked like a nineties one. The seventies one yes. looks like a seventies one. I Great soundtracks that's on both admirable. films, by the way. Oh yeah, Marco, Marco Beltrami did the first one. I don't, he did screams. So it's great. Really close. Um, I don't know if he's done the second one. <clears throat> so, my old film. We're carrying on with Bond. Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. we get to Roger Moore's problem child, um, mm-hmm. and not Moonraker. I'm talking about the man with the golden gun. What a you weird see, film. <clears throat> so it is a weird film, but the thing, my main problem with the man with the golden gun, because I think it rolls along reasonably well. My main problem is, is that Christopher Lee and Roger Moore don't share nearly enough screen time. They don't. But when they do, it's great. Oh, they have it a is, scene at the, the fight as well in Thailand. They do, but they never really, yes. And I love that scene, by the way, the fact that she's dead next to Bob. But I think yeah. that is a terrific scene. But near, there's, nearly no, there's nearly no screen time between them. And I love the introduction. I think the introduction is superb. Yeah. I think it gets lost, like as it meanders through a little bit. Um, and it's it somewhat action light, if I remember correctly. Like, it's it not is very action light. Yeah. I mean, but the final but, act is good. The final act is really good. The final act is really good. I like. I like the fact it's another intimate Bond film. I'm starting to think yes. that Bond films work better when they're smaller. Yeah. Like I, if you think I of, don't disagree if they if they if they execute it. Yeah, I agree with you. If, but if you think of um, some, if you yeah. think of Skyfall, Skyfall's yeah. effectively an intimate story about someone wanting revenge, right? It's why yeah, it's it a ends, personal it story. Ends. It's a personal story. Yeah. Um, as is Licence to Kill, our favourite Bond film. I even think, yes, I even think Honor Majesty's Secret Service, although it goes to exotic locations, it's actually fairly contained. Yeah, it's really not, it contained. Aside from a few secrets, I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not small, but overall, a lot of it is in that lodge, and it works extremely well. And again, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, overall, considering its running time, it's relatively action-light. It's got a great Very action-light. And a few other set pieces. I mean, it has got set pieces. But when you think about the runtime, a lot of it is him sort of investigating, so to speak. Yeah. And it works extremely well. It works really well. My issue with The Man yeah. with the Golden Gun, right, is mm. that it's two things. One, that it tries to shoehorn into the dragon in, which just doesn't work. Yes. It's yes. Bark- I, mean, like I, enjoy, the, the I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Of course. Yeah, I, I, love the, I love the agent. I love him. He's fucking And crazy. the two young girls who just, like, yeah. turn up, kick yeah, some ass, and then you never see them again. Never spoken yeah. about it. Like what? I mean, I and do, I also, I've, got, I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and and the Smoky and the Bandit esque GW yes. Pepper yes. bit yeah. again. It just doesn't need to yeah. be in that film. I um, love it. <laughs> I love it. Like it's nonsense, but I love it. It's Roger Moore's good. I mean, it's a lot like he as a Bond is a lot darker in this one. It's a lot more Connery esque, like well, with slapping one, women and yes, like, this one and uh, Fear Eyes Only are both probably his darkest too. I think. However, Victoria Zoli is really dark. Yeah, it is. You're right. Um, however, I don't hate it. I, I, it's, no, it's okay. It's 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 for me. It's one of the weakest Bond films I've watched yet, and it just it just get that, it emphasizes how much I would love to have seen Roger Moore do on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I sort of get that. I, I sort of get that. Because him I and Lazenby are very similar. Well, there's a more jovial nature to them. For the better way of saying it, yeah. But yeah, it's good. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Spy Who Loved Me next, just if for nothing else more than the opening. Great fucking movie. That's a great Uh, movie. It has the best opening of any Bond film Mm. ever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yes, so yeah, we're rattling, rattling, rattling through them. So let's talk. Let's, let's, right, tell you what, let's dive into some of the films we've watched, some of the bigger films. We've talked about Fear Street. Um, Let's, let's, let's just, let's not, we don't have to go too deep, but, 
have you I don't think you've particularly said your thoughts thoughts on Fast Nine yet. I mean, I think the problem with Fast Nine is I need to watch it again. Because I felt but I sort of do because I'm hearing there are certain podcasts shitting on it, which is fine. I remember a certain podcast praising it to the skies, but not um what's the word? Not one I not, not, no 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 cut a couple, but not they're not saying the film is better than it is, but there's a lot that they enjoyed. And I've got to say, I feel like by missing a significant chunk of it by snoozing through it, which is not a good sign, I, I would sort of like to watch it cohesively and just see how I feel. Um, only because it is obviously bonkers, you know. But there were too many things in the first time that I watched it that were just distracting me all the time. And I have to wonder if on a second viewing, now that, I know, now that I'm aware of that stuff, perhaps it washes over me more. I'm just curious to watch it again because I think I'd be curious I to do have an issue with overall this. opinion, you know. Right. My issue with this, and it's the same thing with Kermode when he does the same thing. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, I, I, then I watched it a second time and it was better. It's like, well, yeah, but that's, but, 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 you should, dude, you've had, but, you, but you've had that with Mad Max Fury Road. This is not probably crazy. the this is only film. You've had a couple, you've had a couple. So I'm just saying, like, I, it, I, I get it. But a film about. should like be able to live and die on its first. I, itch, I agree, but also I didn't feel. <laughs> so I would like to watch it in its entirety. I, had, the, I do have my criticisms of what I've seen, like significant criticisms. Do you know what the biggest issue is? Mm. My, minus. Well, firstly, Cena is the best thing in it. And if John Cena is yeah. the best thing in your film, you have a fucking serious problem. Because I don't know about that. He's, not, he's bad. not great. He's not bad. He's not bad. No, he, no, he's not bad. But, you know, he's not bad. I mean, that that's the very yeah. definition of damning with faint praise. Of course. He's yeah. all right. Yeah. Like, so if, if he's the best thing in your film, you have an issue. But it just shows when you take out a Paul Walker and you take out a rock, and you take out a Statham, you're left with Tyrese, Vin Diesel, and Michelle Rodriguez, and Very Jordana mind, Brewster. Though, you, mind, though. I know you, I know you, I know you didn't see it, but, but, but Statham is in it. Yeah, I know. But like, <laughs> like, I don't think you yeah. can count a two-minute end credit shot. No, no, sure, sure. Like, so... And, and also, my, my biggest issue, and small spoilers, jump ahead, 30 seconds. I'm getting really fucking bored of the revolving door of death in these movies. Yeah, but like, I don't. I think but the problem is that has been established for so long now that it's just part of the formula. You don't have to like it. But that is part of the formula. That's like and Kurt Russell will obviously oh. be back in the next one. But but, you know, but it's just getting to the point where it's like, if it's one of these things, right? If it's ludicrous story, okay. Mm-hmm. If it's boring, if it's pretty boring cookie cutter action, all right. If it's I mean, it is bad, a, look, one thing you can say, hang on, one thing you say is that is not these films. <laughs> it's not cookie cutter action. Oh, um, yeah, it's so boring though. It's so but, like but the, but that's, the I don't same think gag I think, ten I think, times. I think, the prob- I think the problem with the action is that it's it's just an overload. It's, you I can't. Think it is. I don't think it has enough action in it. But I can't. Pr- no, I can't. Well, again, I can't talk for the forty minutes or something. Just, but for me, it was for me, it was more like there are seven set pieces happening at the same time. That's what makes me just go. I see. I don't mind. I don't mind. You can't keep cutting between seven cars or with like each one has three people saying different things. My brain just eventually just goes, no. I see. I I don't mind that. What I mind is the fact that all of those action sequences are really boring. Like the the chase, the chase, 
the car chase before they they do the bridge thing, which I'm not even going to comment about. It. Oh no, the bridge bit's awful. That was awful. I mean, that was awful. Mm, like, but it was funny. That car chase like, is really boring. I like it's. I it, I've seen it so many times before, and you just kind of go and better. So fine. I mean, in many that. ways, then, it's, in many ways, it's the same car chase from Hobson Shore on the island, isn't it? Really. Yeah, it's exactly it's that, story. and and yeah. I kind of get the feeling it might have been deliberately that because of, you know Vin and yeah, yeah. yeah cause, cause as we now know Vin didn't like the rock because yeah apparently Vin had to give the rock acting lessons mm. just again ruminate on that one for a second yes move on um and then you get the action sequence in Edinburgh by the way like I, I just just want to say that if you're going to go to Edinburgh I don't think taking a muscle car is the way to go if you don't want to I know there's this hilarious there's this hilarious bit and again I think this is sort of where I woke up where Vin Diesel was like driving his Dodge Charger, which I love, or like a modified version of Charger around Edinburgh, and it looked ridiculous. Like he, like, he looked like a prick. He looked like a, a prick scene. who bought his. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It doesn't. It and it's work like, at all. and it's. I think any sense. And and you kind of go, okay, all right. And then that whole magnet action sequence was was. Yeah, I can't get it. I hate that. <clears throat> I thought crap, that was terrible. Right. It was creative, but very very boring. And <laughs> then you get weird. And then you get the fight in the underground bunker thing that they're in which was pretty boring and then you've got the finale which was basically the finale was a version of what they'd already done two or three times in the film already so i think actually it's probably got for me it's cross-cutting with space yeah cross-cutting with space and and weirdly and as i said to you i think i said to you also john cedar john cedar seems to have discovered the the infinite zip line as well Oh yeah, the infinite. I love the infinite zip line. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that sequence was so boring. Where is it it's going? Like, yeah, it's like, so it, it was times. really boring. It was so. It was so weird. That was weirdly boring. Weirdly, so really Tom Cruise made running on Blackfire's train yeah, station yeah, more bridge, exciting yeah. than those. That was exciting because you could see him doing it for real, and you know yes. that he fucked up his foot doing it. That's yes. why it was more exciting. Yes. This is <coughs> my point. Watching, and again, you're watching one person, not 17 different things happening at the same time. But even regardless that of the 17 people, it it's, makes it, a it's real, right? Like, like yeah, the, when Cruz does a stunt, it has gravity because he's <clears> doing it for real. Yeah. If Cruz is yes. hanging off the side of a plane, we know that they're wires they've CGI'd out. We know that yeah, like, like he's so safe that like nothing could go wrong. But it has weight, it has gravity as heft. Not one action sequence in this film had any of that. And therefore, like, I, and I had a similar issue with The Tomorrow War, that there was a point in The Tomorrow War when I was watching it, that I wanted to pick up my PlayStation controller and start playing it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I wonder if the cutscene is going to finish soon. If we're going to be talking about, if we're talking about that film, I have some very specific issues. By the way, and I'm going to say this genuinely for the record, Tomorrow War is more entertaining as a movie than Fast Night. I mean, I can't answer that yet because I haven't finished Tomorrow War because I got 45 minutes in and couldn't take any more of it. And then Fast Night... I you stopped just, you've stopped two films this week when the action starts. You're 30 but, minutes like, into Fish Street really Part bad, No action. But it's really, but it's really, really... Yeah, but Fish Street's because we're doing the podcast. I know. <laughs> Fish Street, it's only stopped because we've got to do the podcast. I, honestly, with Tomorrow War, it was, I couldn't understand things that, I couldn't figure out if I'd missed things and then subsequently on social media I was told I hadn't missed things. Like, I thought they were all sort of normal people. Like, for the majority, these, these recruited soldiers were sort of normal people. Like, Chris Pratt was a, a teacher and stuff. And then when they get into the mission, 
and then it sort of goes wrong. I think a bunch of them, I don't quite yeah. really understand what happened, but a bunch of them sort of get killed. Like the actual soldiers get killed or something, something like yeah. that. And then they've all got to take on them, which by the way, that's fine. But they all start moving like actual soldiers. And I'm like, no, they do, they do explain it. There are Chris Pratt's an ex military get... guy. Oh, all right. Okay. They he explain is. that in like yeah. the second sequence or something. Like, second scene. I don't remember that. Um, I don't remember and, that. Too. And, they all just start moving a, like professional soldiers. And like, yeah, and there are a too. couple of people that have done it like three or four times. There's one guy, and you find out his oh, reason why that. he keeps no, going back. I'm aware. I'm aware. And he's got a team. Black yeah. So yeah. So th- there's like there are three <clears> or four <throat> people that have some form of experience that is explained. I just thought it looked bad. I, I just thought like, oh, again, I, it's unfair to call it too much because I've only watched the first When they appear in the wherever the fuck they are, like when they first like teleport or whatever it is. Like when they're falling out the, the sky. The, the, right. Not the very first time, because that's the very beginning, but then where we see it happen later, right? I was just like, this place looks like shit. It doesn't look like hell or, or, or um, you know, the future or whatever. It just doesn't look good. It looks really it, it, bad. There's a sequence that you haven't got it looks to yet. It's really bad. Okay, sure. Where, where they, <laughs> where basically they recreate a scene from Starship Troopers. Okay. Right? Like when they're going after the queen, no spoilers because you know okay. you're, you know that's going to happen at some point. Well, anyway, I, I didn't they, know what they were. I haven't seen the aliens yet, so I don't know. Okay, okay. Like the aliens are like literally. If you put generic CGI alien onto uh-huh. like, dink, there we go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're all right though. They're relatively effective. Um, sure. But there, there is a sequence where they're going after this 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 queen one, and um, they go into a cave, and I was just like. Holy fuck! They've they've repurposed the sets from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Right. It's like it's that Star Trek. Look, mm-hmm. the Tomorrow War is a hot fucking googly eyed mess of a movie yeah. that's forty minutes too long. Right, that has a really odd tone, some terrible casting, genuinely yeah. terrible casting. Like like um, I can't remember her name. The comedian that's in Twenty Four that played Chloe. Oh, Chloe, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I know who you mean. I can't remember that. Yeah. yeah, like, weird casting. Like, the, the mm. comedy sidekick guy, weird casting. Like, yeah. I like Sam, I, quite, I, quite, I, quite, I quite like Sam Richardson. The thing is, with Sam Richardson, it's that, okay, so there's a bit where they're all standing in lines near the beginning, and Sam yeah. Richardson starts talking to Chris Pratt. And I was going, this is presumably all ad-lib, because none of it actually makes any sense, and I don't know what they're actually talking about. Yeah. They just talk. They just talk, which is yeah. fine, but like, there's no story in what they're saying. And then, and then they're interrupted by the guy who's been back, like you say, a few times or something. And I'm, and, and like, they're, they're talking, like he says, they're talking while they're being fucking told what to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like stop it. Like stop no. it. You've missed a bit. Why would you do that in such an important, in a set in the face? Yeah. And for no story, like it doesn't serve a purpose. At least not no. that I know of. And yet, I still, on balance, probably enjoyed it slightly more, slightly more than Fast 9. Because, like, at no point, I was bought in on on the fact that they've gone forward, the world's gone to shit, they've got to fight these aliens. Great. It made the, the world they create makes sense. Whether I like the look of it or it has issues, absolutely. I mean, it literally is Starship Troopers at times. Um, and I'm like, okay, but it makes sense. Fast Nine 
none of it makes sense. There, there are points oh, where I'm I just like... I agree completely. Oh, I agree completely. One but exception. What I've seen, it makes no sense. One exception, though. I fucking love Helen Mirren in that film. See, I missed that. That's why I need to, I need to see that. She's literally the best. Yeah, I, I need to she's see I need so, to see Like, she's the very definition of, like, what's Helen, Helen Mirren now? Like, 70, 80? She's like, she's oh, no spring chicken. Sure. And she's <clears> literally <throat> like, like, She's like, I know I'm a dame. I know I've been nominated for a billion different awards, but fuck it. I'm just going to go out there and absolutely camp it the shit up. And it's all the better for it. And I want to see a spin-off film with... I want to see a spin-off film with Helen Mirren, John Cena, The Rock, and Statham. And then all the rest of the fast characters can just fuck off because there's not one interesting character in the lot of them. Genuinely, I can't... Like, oh, he was from Tokyo Drift. Yay. Who gives a shit? I mean, I, I, like, just, I like some. I like some. I but it's like, there's no one in that film. No one that I care about. You know, but probably, they're, probably gonna get, they're probably going to get Gal Gadot back for 10 11, I'm assuming. I don't I'm, know. I'm I think she's too. Ex- I, I reckon she's probably too big now. Possibly, but she does sort of over on her fucking acting career. I mean, look, going down your route of time travel, fuck it, they probably will. And I hated That's the stuff. That's what I mean, yeah. I hated the stuff with Paul Walker in Fast Nine. Oh, it's the like, thing I had, the thing, oh, yeah, look, look the, the thing I, I loathed. He'll be here any second. That, and then the blue, they cut to a blue car pulling up. Like, what the fuck? fuck also, that, really this, offend, that was really offensive. I was really and I offensive. said this to you before, like, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez have a kid. Like, Jordana Brewster has a kid. And this is not being sexist in the slightest, not sexist in the slightest, but they opt to give the three children to Brian so they can go and start destroying the world. Rather than, like, so they give it to the ex-cop to babysit. Just get a fucking babysitter. Like, like, and and Jordana Brewster turns up, and I'm like, no offence, but if I had to pick... Just stop mentioning him. Just stop mentioning him. If I had to pick who I wanted in a fight, it would probably be the ex-cop that's like been a fucking bad guy ass kicker right, for yeah. all these years. But no, we're, we're, Brian's just looking after the kids. <laughs> like, oh, I was insane. like, what? That's, that's embarrassing. Bullshit, it's embarrassing. It's, embarrassing. it's just embarrassing. Fucking bullshit, man. Look, I, I know you haven't seen it. I'm going to touch on Black Widow really quickly because, mm. you know, it's out Yes, it's out this week. Yeah. Um, I liked it. It's good. It's saggy in the middle. Very mm. saggy in the middle. It's a bit slow. Um, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, I think it is a very solid film. I think the action is... It's not great. It feels like a backward step in terms of the action, but I like the smaller story. I love Florence Pugh in this. She is absolutely fantastic. David Harbour is absolutely fantastic. Even Rachel Weisz, who, by the way, like when you first see her, You'll be like, whatever, whatever, motherfucker. Um, <clears throat> like, and and I forgot Ray Winston was the bad guy. I was just like, I was so made up when Ray Winston turns up like two minutes in. I'm like, is that? Oh fuck, it's Ray Winston in a Marvel film. Get in. That's so I was very, very happy with that. Um, look, I don't think it's Marvel's best film. I think you will probably like it more than some, but not more than mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's getting some good. So like a lot of people are really liking it, and I absolutely think the intention <clears throat> is good. I just think it's really flabby. Right. I, yeah. I, I think the, it's flabby, and I just think the action feels really flat. 
And I'm like, I don't know if they've changed something in their production side or they mm. decide to go in a different direction with this one, but it's, and the best thing about the film, it has an amazing cover of um, uh, a Nirvana song on the opening title. Oh, okay. Interesting. Amazing. Um, just out of curiosity, uh, speaking of flat Marvel, have you been watching, I can't remember if you've been watching Loki or not. Oh, so I have. So I'm up to episode three. Uh, we watched episode right, three so last I've, night. I think I told you that we gave up five minutes into episode three because I can't take it. I can't understand why you gave up five minutes in. That was the most exciting part of the whole episode. Well, I've heard, I mean, I subsequently people were saying the third one was, well, subsequently people, again, reposting it said that part three gets worse and worse. So I don't know. Oh, no, uh, I like it. I it's really good. I've been, looking at, I've been looking at the IMDb reviews, which is a mistake. And <laughs> they are majority 10 out of 10 with, with the words, Hilson's amazing, this show's amazing, amazing, amazing. And then you get a few one-star reviews, a few, and then there are a handful of four and five-star reviews that Marvel haven't found and deleted yet, which is interesting because their criticisms oh, are pretty on. much my They don't no, find no. and delete them. Are we sure about that? Yes. It's the really IMDb. Sure You're literally looking at the most Disney, you, think Disney, you think you think that Disney can't delete, delete IMDb? Uh, I absolutely um, think they can because it's Disney and Amazon, and Amazon benefits listen, from Disney I've, doing listen, bad. I've, I've, I've been able to <clears> I've been able to delete reviews. That's another story. Um, regardless of that, I made that as a half joke. But the point is that the, the four and five star reviews, for the most part, not entirely, do seem to reflect the stuff that I am like I can't. I like it, anybody. man. I think I, we are going to wait. We are going to wait until they're all idea. wrong, and then we might try. We might try. And, I, the idea is interesting, but one of the things that seems to be coming across is that everything that happened in the Marvel films was predestined anyway. So it doesn't matter. And you just go. Well, what? hold on. I think and also, there's... and also, in the first episode, Loki, Loki, I'm, I know how nitpicky this is, but I don't think it's that nitpicky. Gets like knocked about and kicked about by a bunch of people. When in the first Avengers film, it takes the Hulk. Yeah. And you sort of go, what's happened to Loki? So what's going I, on? Think, <clears throat> I think people that what's are reviewing the story mm. four episodes in mm. absolutely are morons because there's definitely something bigger at play. There's definitely going to be a big twist and it's definitely not going to be like what everyone thinks it is. So this whole, you know, oh, everything so in the Marvel films are predetermined. It's, sure. it's obviously yeah. not going to be like that. Ross, Marvel sure. have crafted a 21-film story arc, which, save for a couple of yeah, but stories... That's, but, that's, but that's sort of over now, isn't it? You know, hold on, hold on let me finish. Yeah, no, let me finish. Like, save for a few, a few bits, have been flawless in its plotting and execution. Do you really think that Marvel are going to release a TV show that that then goes, oh, but none of that matters? Of course they're not. I think there's, I there's don't, something I don't think bigger. Marvel, I don't think Marvel would necessarily do it, but, the, but Disney, right? No, but this is nothing to do with Disney. This is Marvel. Marvel control the TV. It's Marvel it's still, control. Disney, it's still Disney Plus. No, no, but it's nothing to do with Disney Plus. Marvel control the right. Marvel are making these shows. Kevin Feige is producing these shows in mm. the same way he produces the films. It's done in the same writers' room, in the same teams. Well, it's I, in the same. Very, I would be very curious to see why they've allowed Loki to be treated like somewhat of a bitch for the first few episodes. I absolutely, I absolutely think that there are going to be reasons for everything. At the end of episode three, some of that starts to get come out. 
It, look, mm. it's, what I love about Marvel is they're absolutely taking risks. One division, complete yes, risk. I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that at all. Loki, I don't disagree with that whatsoever. And I'd rather them well, fail spectacularly than just churn out the same no, shit I would, time I, and I time wouldn't, again. Because my favourite series so far has been Falcon with the Soldier, which is the most See, like the Marvel that's my. I think that for me is my weakest. Because I think I there was three episodes of that that were like, I was like, this could have been four episodes really tight. oh listen i i don't disagree with that at all i don't know i don't disagree with you on that but i it to me it's been the series that flowed the most like an actual but that's, but, but that's and the made thing sense. right and you sense. want you want the tv shows to be like the marvel films Not I want the TV it just, shows, it's just it does it just does flow like a, a but, film but i want the marvel tv shows to be nothing like the marvel films I want them to right. be experimental. <laughs> I want them to be... Oh, listen, yeah, but a lot of the Marvel films are too, right? Or they were. They're yeah, not so to much a now. Point, to a point. Like, the last real experimental one they did was probably Iron Man 3. And, you know, I think they learned a big lesson from that. It's a shame. Unfortunately. Because it's, it's one of their best ones, yeah. So we don't run out of time. Let's get to yeah. Richard Donner. Um, so, look, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Ross, do you want to give a little pre-say about... Richard Donner as a filmmaker, you probably, um, you know, I don't know how much, I don't know if you know. Well, Richard Donner, him. Richard Donner just died at the, for, for sort of ripe old age of 91, unfortunately, born in Bronx. Was he 91? Uh, that, yeah, I he mean, did great. He did great. Fair to him. Good innings. Yeah. His first, first director credit was in 1960. Well, what, I lo- what, what is interesting about Donner, because everyone talks about films, he didn't actually make that many films as director, by he the didn't. way. He didn't. Not I was many, really surprised. But, but he made some amazing TV, like the episodes of A Twilight Zone, most notably the uh, William Shatner one, uh, which people know about. He did things like Man from Uncle, The Fugitive, he, The Banana Splits, which was interesting. He did that <laughs> island crazy. show. It. He did Ironside, he did Streets of San Francisco, Kojak. He did like tons and tons and tons of, um, of amazing TV shows. Like, certainly very famous TV shows, uh, even if they weren't famous over here necessarily. He um yeah he made some very strange features uh, back in the day which I won't get into. He made a Charles Bronson film which is very weird about like a an older actor who ends up getting together with a sixteen year old girl. It's like Ugh. whoa, who hello. It's an older and it's an older and it's sorry, it's an older writer. Sorry, an older writer who wrote about pervy things. It's really strange. It's a really strange what, 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 movie. Was his name Woody something or other? Yeah, I don't want to get into it. I don't even want to get into it. Um, but anyway, point is. Blah, 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 blah. did loads of that stuff did Get Smart did, he just did tons and tons of TV shows which is brilliant uh, film that I am personally you know like oh forever uh, well it's just my favourite film of all time when I have to pick a film is Superman the movie uh, in 78 which he directed but before that he also directed The Omen which is a groundbreaking horror film which I prefer way more to things like Shining uh, and uh, The Exorcist I, I I don't understand. I, I'm with I you on the Exorcist. Like, I disagree yeah, I with don't. Shiny. But The Omen's yeah, really good, fine. man. The, yeah, the Omen is really like good and really scary, scary like fuck. actually scary, right? So, yeah, very good. Uh, and obviously, he directed the Belief Weapon franchise and, and many other things, Maverick and Thousand of the Crypt and all sorts of stuff. Let's not get into it too much because there really aren't that many films we can talk about. You know, the interesting, like, really the interesting thing for me, movies. yeah, is, is just how few movies he did. However, of the few movies he did, Superman, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Superman yeah. 2, which let's be honest, he did direct. Oh, are we not doing a are we, are we not doing the list? Oh, I, I, I wasn't specifically going to go down the list, list, but oh, I didn't oh, okay, what have we done? Top list. five. 
Okay, so I've done top five and, and honourable mentions. Okay, I can I can uh, do top five quite easily. Okay, so Mike, should I do my honourable mentions? Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so my honourable mentions are Assassins, the slightly failed Stallone Banderas movie, but it, there's, it was there's a something great idea, man. It's a great idea, and when you watch it again, just to watch it, it's fine, but it just doesn't have that that hit that we needed at the time. Yeah, uh, Maverick, which I enjoy a lot. <laughs> we watched that right, again man. not long ago. It's not it's uh, not Super- terrible for sure. It's no. fun. Superman 2, like obviously there's Madonna Cut, which isn't quite right, but it's it's pretty enjoyable. And it is better than the original. If you if you sort of use your imagination with Madonna Cut, it's much better than which less the version uh, from what the less said about the better, even though there's some great stuff in it. Obviously, mostly Donna stuff. Uh the Goonies, uh, which I've still never like I really How like the actual Goonies. fuck could that be on your honorable mentions? Like, you he's my, only made like ten five, films, man. When you hear about about sixteen, but yeah, in terms of features, but um but you'll see, you'll see. Goonies, which I like a lot, but it's not in my top five. Uh, and then Lady Hawk, which is fantastic. Yeah. A really interesting fantasy. By the way, a massive so, pun on the Goonies. For yeah, me. that's fair enough. So should I do my top five or have you got... Yeah, go on, go for it. Yeah, just run down your top okay, five. Okay, in, in reverse order, this is all a bit rough, but mostly accurate, I think. So number five, we've got Lethal Weapon 2. I love Lethal Weapon enjoyable. 2. Very enjoyable. Lethal Weapon it's 2. Be, it's more enjoyable probably than the first one, but I don't it's, think it's the better film, if you see what I, I mean. I was going to say the exact same thing. Lethal Weapon Two mm. is a is Lethal Weapon Two is that buddy cop comedy formula perfected. Like it's like the Beverly Hills Cop, and I know it's obvious because it's a sequel. But if it's like an up in production values, there's an up in the slickness, and it loses yes. some of the grit. It loses some of the grit of the first movie. People forget yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. The first one is actually. Well, you quite say down that though. 30. I mean, you say that. There's, there's a lot of stuff about like. Like his wife and the stuff with Patsy Kenzie. Yeah, but it's not. Lethal Weapon Two. It's not as grub, but it's not as grubby. It's like like no. the first two film is more grubby. But Lethal Weapon Two is is like it's dark. I think people forget I, how dark. I also it is. think. Well, I also think that most of the stuff that people remember from Lethal Weapon was probably a Lethal Weapon Two, as well. Like like in mainstream, like the stuff that people remember. Mainstream, yeah. I think it's a lot. Is a lot of yeah. The, the, that kind of comedy buddy cop thing is Lethal Weapon Two. Like yeah, I'm like the um the toilet scene, for example. Yeah, the yeah. The, to- scene. the toilet scene is one of the greatest '80s action scenes. Like tense, kind of love oh, that so much. Well. Yeah, love it, love so it, love it, love it. And Patsy Kems it. Yeah, <clears throat> as a man, as a teenager in 1989. Mm. I enjoyed that sequence very much. Mm-hmm. And also, Joss Ackland is a brilliantly boo-hissable villain. Oh, my God. And also, mm-hmm. the worst South African accent known to man. I know. Like, but, that, but, it, but that is how I think all South Africans sound. The, so I, I deal with a lot of South Africans in my day job. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, like, I spent many years, like, thinking that that's how South Africans talked, how Joss Ackland was. And then you realise <laughs> it, it literally couldn't be any less like it. Um <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's brilliant. I love Lethal Weapon 2. It's one of my favourite 80s action films. Good, number, four, I have, number four, I have The Omen, the aforementioned Omen. Yeah, good, good it's film. fucking scary and it's really well done. And it's really uh, ble- really bleak. Uh, number three, I have Scrooged. Oh, one of Bill Murray's great. best films. It's great. It is. It's like, really great. And it's a really great telling of the story as well. Everyone always says how Groundhog Day is one of his best Um mm. I think Scrooge is his best film. I, I, I adore. Talk, well, people don't. People, I think people avoid Scrooge. It's really dark, and again, sort of dirty, and yeah, you know, it feels a bit dirty and nasty. And stuff. 
Yeah, it does. And he is an absolute cunt in that film. Oh, he, he is. Really is. He is. Like, brilliant. It's probably my second favourite retelling of the uh, the Christmas Carol, the first being Blackadder. <laughs> yes, that's really good. Because Blackadder <clears throat> is just, that is a great retelling. If you've never it seen really Blackadder really Christmas funny. Carol, it is amazing. And it never get, it's never, it's never heralded as much as the TV show. No. But, it's yeah. so good. I love that really so much. Funny. Cool. Yeah. Next up. So we have a uh, lethal weapon, of course. Of course. I mean, number two. It was the film that introduced the world to Shane Black. Mm. Thank Absolutely. you. And it's really funny. Really, the action's really great. The fight with uh, Gary Busey, Mr. Joshua at the end is fantastic. That is uh, one. Of, when I first saw the. It's kind of real. It has a real. It feels real. It feels real. Yeah. When I first saw the like the, the, the VHS version of that as opposed to the TV version of that, mm. I was gobsmacked to know that there was an actual fight at the end. Right. Because yes. the TV version takes out all the nightstick stuff. Mm. Like it literally yes. is like about a one 30 second fight. And you realize at the end of the film, they are fucking each other up big time. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Great. I mean, it's one of my, that is literally, how many times when we were starting to make films, did we utter the words, we want to make this like Gary, Boosie and Mel Gibson at the end of Lethal Weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah like not wrong. that. That was our. That was almost our like baseline for gritty, dirty like fight scenes. Mm. Yes, so, yeah, good. love it, love it. Number one should be no surprise to anyone. <laughs> Superman the movie. Really, I'm 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 genuinely surprised <laughs> by that, Ross. <laughs> one of the things I love about that is well, there's two amazing stories. There's, there's tons of amazing stories. Uh, the first one is that. Throughout production, Richard Donner had up the word verisimilitude around the production office and everywhere because he wanted people to take it seriously. They said that it could be it's gonna be funny and lighthearted, but they should take Superman seriously. There were things removed from the script, like there's a point where Superman's flying down the street, thinks he sees Lex Luthor, a bald guy, turns him around, and it's it's Kojak telling Savannah Spade, who loves you, baby, and you kind of go, Oh god. Like except for that would have been a really funny moment. But you I think that would be amazing. But like now, it would always be better, you know, than then. But yeah, it, it, uh, it would. It would play very, today very, very, very really serious, well. Yeah, and I believe he brought on Tom Mankiewicz to sort out the script and all of that, all that good stuff. But the second one is my favourite story, which was retold by John Badham in one of his books, his directing books, and they are both amazing. But I'll get John Badham's in directing books. Um, when I, I'm going to probably slightly get this wrong, and I'm, so I'm paraphrasing, but overall, the story is the story, right? When Gene Hackman came in for his costume fitting or to talk about the movie, something like that, he had a big moustache. And in fact, in fact, the early promo posters for Superman the movie had Hackman and Brando, because this was before I think they found Christopher Reeve, and Hackman had a big moustache, right? And it's something like this. Donna sort of went along, well, you know that Lex Luthor doesn't have a moustache, you know, and all that stuff. And he managed to have this whole thing where because Gene had a whole thing about not being bald in the movie, so he got the wigs and all of that. And of course, right at the end, they do the bald gag, but overall, he wanted to have his hair. All of, all of that stuff. So there's all that stuff going on. And Donna's like, well, you know, we really need to shave the moustache if a hack gets to an argument. I'm not going to do it. I will not do it. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Maybe he's being obstinate. Who knows? Who's behind? Maybe ego, whatever. Anyway, he comes back in. Hackman comes back in not long before the shoot. I guess, like some, somewhere in pre, probably near the beginning of the shoot. And Donna at this point now has a moustache. And they're talking and kind of like bitching about it all. And Donna eventually goes, I'll, I'll tell you what, 
I'll tell you what, if you let us shave off your moustache, I'll shave off my moustache in solidarity. What do you think? And Hackman put it up. Oh, okay, fine, fine, fine. So the makeup lady. I think I, get, I, think I see where this is yes, going. Yes, but yeah. <laughs> yes. The makeup lady hurriedly shaves off Gene Hackman's moustache. And just as she finishes, Donna pulls off his fake moustache and goes, ha ha. And then Gene Hackman like, lost his mind in for a while, but then you know, saw the joke in it. That is I think that's fucking, it's fucking amazing. I don't even know if it's actually true, but I've, I've, I've read oh, it. Mate, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be. It wouldn't surprise you know I me. Mean? But it wouldn't surprise. But it wouldn't surprise me if it were. If it were. No, just but also it doesn't need to be true because no, no, it's, it's, it's true. Just a great I, story. Do you know that? It's I a think in movies sometimes true enough. And my my top five is almost. But they say, what was that thing about? What was that thing about Robert Evans? Where he said something like something like even the stories that aren't true are true. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it's absolutely. Like, does it like how many times have you heard the the variant of? Michael Caine and swimming pools and Barbados yes. and and well, no, and Michael Caine. Um, Michael Caine. It's the opening. Uh, Michael Caine Jaws Revenge. It was like exterior Bahamas. I mean, and then Bob and Hoskins then, the swimming pool thing. It's Mario. Bro, Mario bro. Yeah, but the Bob Hoskins thing was also trainers. Like, yeah, I, I've also heard the story told as trainers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I need to buy, keep you a new trainers, son. And this kid goes, oh, I don't <laughs> need that trainers that bad, dad. Yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, um, my top, my top five is almost identical. I would sub out the Omen for the Goonies, which I think is one of the greatest films of the eighties. I fucking adore the Goonies. It's a brilliant action film. It's a brilliant adventure film, and they just never managed to make a film like it. I adore that film so oh, much. I, oh, I agree. If they made it, if they tried to make it today, it'd be very it'll be horseshit the only one yeah. i would add to my i'd add two to my honorable mentions i'd add lethal yeah. weapon three because i think yeah. it's a fun movie it it's, fun. it's movie. fun it's fun i do think you start to see the artificiality coming through. it's a fun yes. movie like it's enjoyable but, um yeah. and i think conspiracy theory is a spectacular failure i think it's terrible it a, yeah it's terrible Jesus but it had Christ. a great idea and it's it really like the idea was good Gibson was good. It, it's one of those things where you, you, you get all the best ingredients in the world and you put them in a cake and for some reason the cake doesn't go good. I remember you know that, the cinema being, I remember seeing the cinema genuinely being miserable. I do like it. I, I, I remember doing a really? double bill of that and Enemy <clears> of the <throat> State back to back. Well, and I was like, good. And I was like, wow, this is a really good, but it worked really well. I, I, I like conspiracy theory. Um, it's, I, I admit, I accept it is a trash film. It's not great, but I do enjoy it. So there we go. Um, that is, our, well, rest in peace, Richard Donner. Uh, hasn't made a film, didn't make a film since 2006, which was 16 Blocks um, yeah, with yeah, it's Bruce. Not very it's, not very, it's basically a remake of The Gauntlet. And before that, it was the fucking appalling Michael Crichton film timeline. Mm. Yeah, it's not very good at all. Um, but, you know, hey, like he was a, a spectacular hit and miss director. But, yeah, when he hit, like he's got for, for a very and short he mostly, amount. And he mostly hit. He mostly hit. And he honest. mostly he hit. hit. For a short amount of films that you made or a small amount of films, there are some absolute classics in there. So uh, rest in peace, Richard Donna. So, Ross, where can our wonderful audience find out more about you? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> assuming you wish to do so, do so, do so. Um, uh, it's at Ross Boyas on all the social media, and then at Evo Films UK to follow the uh, ever evolving antics. What I'm talking about, ever evolving antics and evolutionary films. This week. What are you, uh, a seventies uh, sex comedy? If you'd like to, if you'd like to follow the exploits, here you go. 
of uh, the UK's best UK distribution company, as voted for by the public at the National Film Awards this year. Wow, uh, please look at follow that. at Evo Films UK on all the social media and uh, to continuously track and keep track. I'm all fucking my dog, I'm so tired. To, to keep up with uh, what's happening with the Vengeance Film franchise, it's at Vengeance Film UK. <laughs> You're right? You're done? No, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what to do. And just follow Ross everywhere. Um, www.fillsquickreview.co.uk for more on the podcast, the blog, and everything else we have on that website. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Phil Quick Review. Phil Quick Review. No S in that. Uh, and of course, we will be back. I think we will not be back next week because I am away next weekend when we record. But so we'll probably be back the weekend after that. Um, but what I have got for next up after this podcast is a is a film exploitation throwback podcast, Ross. Ooh. And Ooh. not just any, I managed to find a film exploitation because I don't have all of them, sadly. I don't know where they went. Ooh. What I do have is I do have like a clip show, which was like something I used to edit like once a year with all the outtakes, bits yeah. and, and arguments. So I'm going to put out a, a flat throwback Thursday clip show from film exploitation back in the day the the podcast that eventually led to this podcast so that will probably be coming next uh, and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks so thanks for listening great uh, great uh, chat and hopefully by the time you speak Ross you will have actually finished a film because you seem to be half watching everything at the moment well I watched Fear Street no? yes you did well and, and half of the second one and then half of it, tomorrow hang on more, wait then... I stopped watching it I stopped watching it to do the podcast that's no excuse. Get up earlier, um, and and you you half watch Loki, and you mm, three quarter watch Fast good. and Furious. <laughs> well, I fell asleep. These are reasons. I'm guessing you're going to quarter watch Black Widow. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.